We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. So, Lord, we we love that truth, and we cherish and delight in the fact that you are ours, the God of heaven who is sent down from the Father, full of grace and truth, God of very God, light of very light, to be ours. Lord, help us not to ever grow casual to that, numb to that that we can say that the one who created the universe and holds the stars in his hands is ours it's a personal thing and we love that and so Lord would you now move through your word through your spirit illuminate our hearts take this word and apply it to our hearts that we may love you and serve you and worship you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And children, at this time, you are dismissed. Pages 7 and below. And if you would, open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke with me. The Gospel of Luke. And we will be in chapter 1 for this Sunday. If we haven't welcomed you yet to church, uh, we just want to welcome you. If you're visiting here, uh, my name is Mike Newman, and I have the privilege of giving our church God's word this morning. Um, we, um, we believe that when you open up the Bible, that heaven itself speaks, that God speaks to his people through his word. Um, it is all we need in life and godliness. And uh, it is sufficient for everything. And so um, we are trusting uh, together with you that this morning um, God has ordained his word and his people um, to be here for a great purpose. And the purpose um, is not just so that we would get smarter at the Christmas story or not just so that we would pass like uh, a Christmas story trivia um, test. On, on, on these matters, but that you would receive God's word and that your love for him would grow. And as a result, uh, you, you would go from here and make him known that you would uh, live for his glory and that other people might hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, if you know, um, last week we started um, our sermon series on Christmas called Good News, Great Joy. Uh, it's from chapter 2, and if you would, go ahead and just flip the page and meet me there. Good news, great joy. It's when uh, the angel says this to them in chapter 10, uh, verse 10, forgive me. The angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you what? 
That's right. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so all we're doing is we're, we're going through various Christmas texts in the book of Luke, and we're saying, what is the good news again? And why does that bring us great joy? And so prayerfully, uh, last Sunday, you saw that the good news was true, and it was meant to be shared. And in that process of learning that it's true and, and learning that God wants to use me uh, to pass along the good news, that brings about great joy and excitement and expectation about what God is going to do. And so we pray that the, even this past week was filled with great joy for you as you are looking for opportunities to tell others about the good news of Jesus. Um, this week... We're going to learn that the good news is this. Are you ready? That Jesus' kingdom has no end. That's the good news of today. And that good news is going to bring about great joy and great perspective and great help in this life. So meet me in verse 30 of chapter 1. I'm going to start there. Really, the, uh, the narrative starts in verse 26, but we're going to start today in 30. This is the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 1, verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32. He will be great, and we be, will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And so my goal uh, in this sermon today is to help us move from a sentimental uh, understanding of this text to a broad understanding, um, taking in all of the timeline of biblical history, from Old Testament to Christ's New Testament, and all the way to the very end of time, because this text is telling us that His kingdom, there will be no end. And also my prayer is that as you gain this perspective of a timeline today from Old Testament all the way till there's no end, that you would be able to identify your life on that dot, on that timeline. And it would give you great insight and purpose and joy in your life. Are you with me? Okay, so let's go back to this passage and let's read it critically for a moment, okay? I'm going to ask the question, uh, do you read this verse literally or figuratively? Literally would mean it is as it is. The words mean what they say it means. Or figuratively, it's using some sort of poetic language, hyperbole or simile or a metaphor or something to talk about an idea. Okay? So let's go ahead and start with verse 31. Okay? Literal or figurative. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
What do you think? Is that a literal? Should we understand that literally? Or is that more of an idea, a concept to gain? Good. All right. Hey, you better be, right? Like, Jesus, the whole womb thing, that's a figurative idea. It's just, no, no, no. That's a literal idea. It really happened. It's true. An angel came. She really bore a son. And she really called His name Jesus. Okay, let's go to the next one. Literal or figurative? And He will be great. This is verse 32. And He will be called the Son of the Most High. Literal or figurative? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty slam dunk, right? Uh, He is great. Literal or figurative? Next portion. And the Lord will give to Him the throne of His father David. Literal or figurative? Yeah. Literal. Okay. All right, 33. Here's a hard one. Ready? Literal or figurative? And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. I think so too. I think it's literal. If it's been literal so far, what gives us reason to think that we should make up some sort of strange interpretation of this verse? It means what it says it means. That he will reign over the house of Jacob, that would be Israel, forever. And then it says, in his kingdom, there will be no end. Just an idea, a concept to kind of nod or wink at and go, isn't that nice? Or is that a literal idea? Jesus will reign forever. Yeah, literal. That's right. Okay. So these verses, especially where it talks about he will reign over the house of of Israel, of Jacob. If you have an ESV study Bible or some sort of study Bible, a lot of times um, you'll see that they skip over that verse. Uh, There's a lot there. Today, we're not going to skip over it because it's really good news. It's good news that Jesus's kingdom will never end. Although it's not always easy to understand. Uh, This week, uh, my Lucy, my youngest, who just is turning nine, uh, said something along this line. Um, Hey, Daddy, if God wrote the Bible, and if he wants us to understand the Bible, why did he write it in such a tricky way? And I said, Lucy, that is a really good question. I think, Luce, I think that he really likes it when his children approach him and they trust him and they seek understanding from the Scriptures. And so this, this morning is, is going to require us as a church to lean into the Bible and to wonder, like, what does this mean? Lord, what did you have for us when you said this? And... Um, I've heard it said that the Bible does not lend itself to the lazy eye. And so we need to go to him and ask him for insight and ask him for the depth of meaning that was intended. And so we're going to do this. This morning, we're going to frame our time um, with past, present, and future. And we're going to think about God's kingdom and these words um, from when it started until all the way to the end and then some. Okay, so let's start with past. So this announcement from Gabriel, the angel, 
it didn't just come out of thin air. Gabriel didn't just like make up this idea that Jesus' kingdom will have no end. And he was referring to the Davidic covenant found in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And so stick your finger in Luke and turn to the left and go all the way to 2 Samuel and read with me verse 13 of chapter 7. 2 Samuel 7, 13. This is a classic text that you as a believer, as you're gaining an understanding of, of God's Word, that you need to lock in your mind for memory. There's an Abrahamic covenant. There's a Noahic covenant. There is a Davidic covenant. This is God promising certain things to His people. And here we find um, a, a significant promise to David and his people. Verse 13, it says, He shall build a house for my name. Talking about David's son Solomon. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Let your eyes zip on down to verse 16. It continues and it says, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And so as I said, this is called the Davidic covenant, where David, King David, intended to build a house for God. God sees his heart. He sees that it's a heart after his own. And he says, you know what? I'm going to actually build you a house. You wanted to be, build me a temple? I'm going to build you a dynasty. This covenant from God narrows the focus in our understanding of what God is doing from the beginning. When God promised Abraham uh, that he would send a, a seed, he would send someone to be a blessing, that he, he, he told him that I'm going to give you descendants as many as the stars are in the sky, as many as the sand on the seashore, and when this person comes, he's going to bless all peoples and all nations. We turn to the right a little bit and we find in this passage, 2 Samuel 7, this narrowing focus that of those people that God will, will bring, He'll bless from Abraham, there's going to become royalty now. There's going to be one that comes from the line of David that will be of a kingly descent and He will bless God's people, and He will be a blessing to the nations. This was read earlier this morning. Michael read it. But in Isaiah 9, the prophet affirms this, this reality in verse 6. This is the one that comes from Handel's Messiah. He says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And you're like, yes! I love that passage! That's a good Christmas passage, right? Listen closely to it. Watch the political overtones. And the government shall be upon His shoulder. And His name will be called, and you guys have this memorized, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Watch this. Of the increases of His government and of peace, there will be no end. The Gabriel... Uh, Gabriel the angel did not just make this up. He's coming informed. He's coming backed with the prophets. 
And then he says, Isaiah says, and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteous from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And then comes our Christmas story. Joseph and Mary, they come to Bethlehem. Jesus is born. And the Gospel writers make sure that we know that Joseph was from the line of David. And so there we have Jesus now fulfilling all of these prophecies, not only from the Abrahamic covenant, not only from Isaiah 9, but from the Davidic covenant that we are promised royalty. We're promised a king. And so when the angel tells Mary that his throne will never end, Mary should receive this as great comfort because all of the promises of God are coming true for her people. So let's just hold up for a sec, though. Um, have those verses that we have been reading literally, have they come true? Specifically, has Jesus been reigning and is he reigning not just as king ambiguously, but is he reigning over the house of Judah now? We would say no. He's not. Well, what happened? Why not? Because we, we, we read it all literally what happened or didn't happen. And so what we're talking about here is the kingdom of God. We're addressing this idea of, wait, the king came. King Jesus, he came. He said, um, in Mark, he said, the, the kingdom is here. It's at hand. And now we're seeing, if we're reading this critically, that, that God's kingdom is, we're not experiencing the fullness of it. And so theologians call this kingdom idea this already, not yet. This idea that, that it's already here, but we're not living in the kingdom fullness. Specifically for the reason being that we just read, Gabriel told us that he's going to reign over the house of Israel forever. And we're not seeing that altogether. So what happened? Or what didn't happen? What, what's happening that is causing us to say, yes, Jesus is king, and he is ruling, yet somehow he's not like ruling like this, like what it says right now. And what we can say in, a, in simple terms is this. It wasn't God's plan yet. Um, Israel, when, when Jesus came and started fulfilling all these prophecies, they looked to Jesus as the conquering king. He started feeding the 5,000. He started providing for people. It's like, yes, we get free food. We get free insurance. He's healing all of our sicknesses and diseases. The kingdom must be here. He's the king. And then we get all these statements from Jesus that talks about him 
coming to seek and save the lost. And we see him suffering along the way. And suddenly uh, expectations begin to shift and adjust by some to say, hey, the king that we were waiting for, now he's a suffering servant from Isaiah and not the conquering king that we once thought he would be right now. And so Christ came and lived a perfect life and gave up his life, purchased a people for himself on the cross that we might know him. He died, was buried. He rose three days later and he ascended into heaven. And one day he will return and he'll come to establish his kingdom in its fullness here on earth where we'll see all the promises of God from the Old Testament new fulfilled. Everything, yes and amen in Jesus. So what happened? Well, it wasn't God's plan initially. What also happened? Israel rejected their king. We see that Israel, from the book of Isaiah, was given the purpose that they were to be a light to the nations. And, and I just I think the book of Jonah clearly illustrates how, how Jonah and the whole nation of Israel's heart attitude for the nations was. Jonah, go tell the nations about me. No, 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 no. They don't deserve you. We do. We do. I'm going to hold on to it. Hey, I'm going to make you do it. I want to be known among the nations. Go. Sticks him in a fish. Fish spits him out. He walks around the city. What's his attitude? Oh, I'm so repentant. I want you to know him. I no. He's like, where it is, and you must repent. And then, yeah. And then, then he leaves. Right? That's his sermon. It's like a couple words. He sits on a hillside. He's looking. He wants God to strike him. He doesn't want God to give forgiveness. And the whole nation of Israel is depicted. It's not just about a fish. It's about their heart unwilling to do missions for the glory of God. And so what happens? Israel says no. God sends prophets and more prophets. Return to the Lord. Fulfill your function. I want you to do what I've called you to do. They send more prophets, more prophets. They send the prophet. They send the king. They send the Messiah. They reject him. They kill him. John talks about it. John 1.11 says that Jesus came to His own and His own people did not receive Him. And so God, because He's a jealous God, because He wants His glory to be made known throughout the nations, a different aspect of His program comes in. A different economy of God called the church. The church age begins. Now, people who are marked by the Spirit now bear His name and go out 
to the nations so that He will be known and experienced and loved. The church was birthed at Pentecost and something called the mystery, which long ago in the Old Testament, they didn't know it was going to happen. The mystery occurs. If you still got your finger in Luke, take out another finger and meet me in Ephesians chapter 3, 9 and 10. Ephesians chapter 3, 9 and 10. The mystery of the gospel is occurring. The church age is happening. It says in verse 9, and to bring light for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? So that through the, what you got? Through the church. What was the mystery? It was the church. That the church, the manifold wisdom of God, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The kingdom expectations were shifted throughout time. Because God wanted to bring many sons to glory. Past. All right, let's breathe a little bit, church, okay? Um, let's talk about how even what, we, what we've just spoken about, how that can impact our lives, okay? So we're in the present, point number two. We know that Jesus hasn't come back yet. If you're into theological terms, it would, uh, his second advent hasn't come. He arrived the first time at Christmas, but we await his second advent, his return. As said before, he's not ruling on David's throne. Where is he? Where is Jesus now? He's at the right hand of the Father. He's sitting down in heaven at the right hand of the Father. So a few things to learn from, from this idea right now is number one, recognize and appreciate Jesus's current ministry. So Jesus, his role when he's sitting down at the right hand of the Father, given all authority, his role right now is that he is interceding for his children. So brothers and sisters, know this, that Jesus right now is praying for you. So if you have felt in this Christmas season any amount of stress, anxiety, worry, whatever, be comforted that Jesus is on his throne. He is ruling and reigning, but specifically in a relational way, he's praying for you. I remember when my wife and I and our family, we used to live in Texas, we led um, a youth community group at our house. And I remember there's this one uh, foreign exchange student from Finland. And she, uh, one time, I broke up um, everyone into prayer partners. And um, I said, well, I want you guys to share prayer requests and pray for each other. It's a pretty good idea, wasn't it? I'm a pretty novel youth pastor, right? Um, and I remember she approached Hannah and I afterwards, and she said, thank you so much for that last time. No one has ever prayed for me. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how lonely life would be 
if you knew that no one was ever praying for you. And so two things with that would be be comforted that Jesus Christ, if you are in him, if you believe in Christ as your Savior and Lord, that he right now is praying for you. He's interceding for you on your behalf to God. And that should bring about great joy and lack of loneliness in your life. But also as believers, just to be reminded, pray for one another and tell each other that you're praying for one another. Life can be hard, heavy, and lonely. And one of the greatest things, this is not cliche, one of the greatest things to experience and know is that you've got family, friends, church praying for you. Okay? Number two, remember that God is faithful to his promises. So number one was realize Jesus' current ministry Number two is remember that God is faithful to his promises. And so when we read this angel telling Mary about the news of Jesus, that we can take it to the bank 100%. We know it is true because God, God's word is true. It is a shield to those who take refuge in it. We can trust God's word. And so Jesus is king. Right now, he's, he's, he's ruling and reigning. He's reigning in my heart. Sometimes he's reigning back my emotions and my feelings and showing his kingship in my life. And I'm sure that's very similar to you. But not all of his promises have come to fruition yet. And so we're compelled in God's word to trust him in what he has said. For me, a great promise that I keep coming back to is Philippians 1.6. It's a great one to memorize. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful verse. When you see yourself struggling, when you see others struggling in the Christian life, and you're like, Lord, what are you doing in their life? And for me, this week, I return back to this promise. God is going to work in this person's life. He hasn't let them go. He won't quit on them. Why? Because he promised. So remember that God is faithful to his promises. And the last one, number three, realize that if his kingdom is forever, watch this, I might, I might offend some of you in this room, then other kingdoms are not. If God's kingdom is forever, then other kingdoms are not. And so we shouldn't be surprised when kingdoms rise up and kingdoms fall. The British Empire, the Mongolian Empire, the Ottoman Empire. Ottoman Empire lasted for 600 years. All of them came. All of them went. America will not last forever, friends. But Christ's kingdom will. That can be scary for us. We who live in America, we who love America, I think it's a wonderful country. But our hope isn't in America. It's Christ's kingdom. And his kingdom is worth living for. Worth spending your life for. If you've been with us, you'll know 
this question, but any time that we discuss kingdom, a wonderful applicational question would be this. Just think of the next decision that you have to make. Even when we, when we rise up and we go from here, and who am I going to talk to? Where am I going to go to lunch? How am I going to treat my family? What am I going to do tonight? What does my life look like Monday through Friday at work, at home? How am I going to use my time? The question would be this. Whose kingdom are you building? His or yours? Well, let's go to the future section and then we'll wrap up our time. So we had passed. We talked about how God fulfilled His promises. He made covenants to His people and He is continuing to move in that manner. We talked about the present and how these truths can inform our everyday living. Let's talk a little bit about the future, okay? Because in this verse, the future tense is used. And so let's talk about what's going to happen, okay? Go ahead and turn to the book of Revelation and go to chapter 20. If you are talking about kingdom, you've got to read in chapter 20 because this is the famous kingdom passage that is to come. Okay, I'll start reading in verse 4. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with Him for a thousand years. All right, so this is what we call the millennial kingdom, millennial coming from a thousand, and the kingdom talking about God's future plan for this earth and for his kingdom. Um, there's a number of views on this millennial kingdom right now. Um, there are views that say we're in the millennial kingdom right now. Um, there are views that say that uh, the millennial kingdom already happened. Um, um, your pastor personally believes that the millennial kingdom is to come. It's what is called pre-millennial. Um, you don't have to believe that in order to be a member of this church. You don't have to believe that in order to be a Christian. Okay, um, But I think it is fair to read this passage in a literal manner. And so you're getting a grammatical, historical, literal interpretation of Revelation 20 right now. Okay? So I believe that when Jesus comes back, uh, and there's, there's various timelines within that, but when Jesus comes back, that he'll set up shop here on this earth. And it'll be called a millennial kingdom. And how long will it be? All right, nice job, well done. So for a thousand years on earth, Jesus will reign. He'll reign from David's throne, and he will be over the house of Judah and all other nations. And this, my friends, is good news that will bring about great joy. Rather than having an argumentative tone of like um, eschatology, and this is right, and this is wrong, and this is, 
let's talk about what the kingdom will be like, okay? And this should fuel your hearts to look forward to it, to get excited about it, and give you perspective and hope in the here and now, okay? So here's a couple things about what the kingdom will be like. Number one, there will be universal justice and peace on the earth because the righteous rule of Jesus will reign over all. So there'll be peace on earth. And it'll be awesome. Do you want justice? Pure justice? It'll happen one day when Jesus comes back and rules as king on this earth. Number two, the curse of the earth will be lifted. So what we experienced in the fall in the garden and what we've been doing for the last thousands and thousands of years, toiling and sweat on our brow and women having immense pain during childbirth, what we've been experiencing, that will all be lifted. The curse will be lifted. Number three, there will be great prosperity and human flourishing. What does that mean? Well, because the curse will be lifted, the earth will respond to things as it should. As it was intended. Uh, what does that mean? That means um, we're going to have mangoes in the kingdom so juicy that it's going to change your life. It means that when you eat a tomato, it's going to be so glorious that you're just going to want to sing. It's going to have so much flavor, it's going to be ridiculous. It means that when you plant corn seed, that, that the, the, the corn that is going to come up from the ground as a result of not being cursed, if you've ever seen What About Bob, it's going to be just like that scene. He's going to, it's like he was munching, mm, mm, um, uh, you, it, it is going to be so good. You're not going to know what to do with yourself other than to glorify God and thank Him that He lifted the curse. If you haven't seen What About Bob, that's your homework assignment. It's almost a Christian movie. Almost. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Number four, health and healing will be restored. This is where the Scriptures speak of there will be no more sickness and there will be no more sorrow, no more tears. If you're taking notes, and if you want to say, I actually have never read that, Pastor Mike. I just became a believer. Where does it say that? Ready? Here we go. Isaiah 29, 33, 35, 61, and 65. I want that again? 29, 33, 35, 61, and 65. That would be great uh, quiet times this week to get your heart um, thinking about what is to come. And so what Jesus started in his first advent with healing the sick and banishing the disease, now it will be altogether fulfilled and sickness and disease will be no more. Mamas, no more running noses with your little kids. Won't that be awesome? It'll be amazing. No more sprained ankles. No more back aches. We'll be in the kingdom now. And last one, number five, without getting too deep into it, there's going to be some topographical changes on this earth. Uh, namely, the Mount of Olives, which is a mount, 
right now will be split in two. And there will be certain geographical locations, especially in Israel, that will have to change in order to accommodate for the new temple. And so while we're going to be on this earth, earth is going to look and respond a little differently in the kingdom. Will that be forever? No, it won't be. It will be for a thousand years. And after a thousand years, Jesus will take Satan and he'll bound him up, he'll bind him up, and he'll throw him in the lake of fire, and he will suffer forever. And once that occurs and a few more things happen, the eternal state will begin, and then it will be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. The Christmas hymn that says, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. One of my favorite. Is that your heart? It says that He was born. It says, Born thy people to deliver, born a child, and yet a king. Most kings were born princess, uh, princes. Um, Jesus was born a king. No one else was born a king, just Jesus. One pastor, Charles Spurgeon, once wrote, as soon as his eye greeted the sunshine, he was king. As soon as his pulse beat and his blood began to flow, his heart beat royalty and his blood flowed in a kingly current. And so perhaps, friends, this Christmas season, so far, You've given a nice little nod to Jesus in the manger. And then you've kind of moved on with your life, with shopping, with Christmas parties, and just the next thing. But this Sunday, I pray that you have seen our Savior who was prophesied long ago in the Old Testament. He was born king. He rules and reigns, and he will come again as king to judge. He'll rule over the house of Israel and every nation and every tongue and every tribe on this earth. And our response to, to the angel's announcement and to this timeline given to you this morning should bring about great urgency to the king. You should feel compelled of all of this kingly discussion, knowing of what is to come now and how he will reign and rule on this earth. Your response should be, I've got to get under the rule and reign of Jesus. And so if you are not a believer here this morning, we want to, want to call you and urge you to come to Christ, our King. To, to know Him, love Him, to be forgiven of your sins. Yes, that is the Savior who died for your sins. But He wants to rule in your hearts. And so you need to submit yourself unto Him. How do I do that? You just say, hey Jesus, my life is yours now. 
everything you've said, everything you've done, I believe in it, and I want you. And he takes that heart, and he works with it. If you are a believer, and you've not been living under the rule and reign of Jesus, I would also invite you now to submit yourself unto him, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow him to control every nook and cranny of your life. He's worth it. He's worth it. If you can see the Jesus that we talked about this morning, if you can receive the truths that he is the not only just the center of the universe, but our, the center of our very timeline in history, then I think that you can find the dot on the line that would be your life and how you're supposed to live. We're still in the church age. We've still got a job to do. Let's pray, and then we'll look to the Lord through the ordinance of communion. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your great plan. We thank you that you sent your son Christ as king. And we now lay our lives before you and respond to your word. Would you help us? We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.